0: Welcome to the Eventful Entrepreneur. My name's Dodge. I've been an entrepreneur for over 30 years and thrown thousands of parties across the UK. And I'm also the owner of the Bournemouth Sevens Festival. Everyone who knows me knows I love people. Having a laugh and asking lots of questions. So I've been chatting to people with one thing in common. They've all lived eventful lives. This week I'm delving into the eventful life of Brandon Block. Blocko is a big name DJ in the Ibiza and London club scene and a renowned party animal. We talk about his golden years in Ibiza, celebrity big brother, his cocaine addiction, and also being given a couple of weeks to live. And of course, let's not forget his infamous stage invasion at the Brit Awards when he got C-bombed by Rock and Roll Royalty. Do us a favour and subscribe to this podcast if you like it. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can catch me on Dodge Woodall on Instagram. I reply to every single message. Here he is, the man
1: himself, Mr. Brandon Block. Blocko, welcome to the show, mate. How fantastic. Thank you for having me, mate. Really lovely to be here. And... In your wonderful town, which I'm now a, a fully fledged member of, <laughs> member of your town. It's lovely to have you down here in Bournemouth, it's full great time. To be, mate, great yeah. to be here, mate. I all really do. Um, I have a lot of um, fond memories of Bournemouth and, you know, out of all the seaside towns I've been to, I just have an affinity here. I've got a lot of friends, I had some really good fun. I've always had good fun in Bournemouth, you know, back in the clubbing days, which I know we'll talk about, yeah. and uh, some of the, you know, epic, epic nights that were put on here, countrywide, people who've gone on, and we could talk about that as well. People have gone on to produce huge festivals now from here. Well, what we're, what we're doing, let's, let's roll it all the way back. Roll it all, all the way. I wanna know how you first got into events and DJing. I suppose, look, my journey was quite, I felt, I got bullied at school a little bit. I managed to sort of skirt around that. And I think back in those days, we weren't, because the information and the technology and you know the actual uh, way we communicate wasn't as available. We used to just, you know they, they say, man up and, and, and put up with it or whatever, and then you, you would just manage yourself hopefully and it's not till we know later on that you know possibly like deep set trauma or whatever goes on but anyway I was very fortunate that I managed to found my you know surround myself with all the bigger lads in the class (laughs) and uh who just happened to be the like the funk patrol yeah so they used to sleep in the lunchtime disco under blazers and it was like watching them shuffle jazz dance and you know black music it was was just incredible and I was where did you grow up I grew up in Wembley. Wembley, okay. I was born in East London, born yeah. in Hackney. I grew up in Wembley from the age of three. And um, uh, and then, yeah, the, 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 the lunchtime Disco was, you know, learning my disco shuffle and listening to all these really cool import 12s and learning. And then, you know, ended up going to like, later on, but all the, all the really cool dancing clubs in London, black music clubs called, you know, Crackers, Cheeky Peets and... Uh, you know, all these just incredible dance music stuff yeah. when you learn really good dancers and the best dancers in London at the time. And um, some of the stuff I can't do anymore. I did try the other day. You got and, some moves on you? Well, I did try some moves. Did mate. you? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm still paying for it because I don't know if you look. should be hobbling here, doing a <laughs> knee spin. Um, and I also got my roller skates out the other day They're in the back no. of the car. <laughs> so I'm going to attempt all these new things down here again. Um yeah, so uh, natural progression pub sort of uh, pub eighties they were called at the time. Yep. Which were, were they, the modern approach to the the old boozer was that they painted them white, played some music in them, and that's what that's how it sort of progressed into the pubs because you know uh, growing up our, our social networks were created in pubs. I think that's most, right. for a lot of people who grew up in that way. Anyway, so that was me, music. Uh, my local pub was where we went, and then all of a sudden one evening the DJ who was working there was. Was Off, didn't make it, and the, the governor said, Bran, uh, me and Ali, my best mate Ali, who um, runs parties with me now, he said, Go on, you two, go and get some, uh, go and get your regals. And we said, Oh, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they had these old, how old were you? Uh, Roughly 15, 15, 15 okay. something like of that. Brilliant. They had all the, these Garrard turntables, they were called like belt driven things, or yeah. maybe Citronic, I can't remember what it was. Anyway, but you press the button, <laughs> so they had these already installed in the pub, and he said, "Go and get your records." So we went home. We walked up the road. We got two milk crates of our proper old plastic yeah. milk crates, and we got all our twelve inches. We walked them down the road, and we ended up playing. And so, just 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 explain that the listeners twelve inches. Right. So back in the day, people, you've seen records. I'm sure everyone's seen a record. We used to have a one sided, two sided record with one mix on each side of a particular record a track it was called a 12 inch because the size of a net, uh, record vinyl is 12 inches but it would be a one like a big frisbee wasn't it? big frisbee yeah but uh, wonderful things absolutely wonderful things absolutely. and um so we, I, we, we used to buy imports from the local record shop and um we we walked to the pub and basically we, we obviously all our mates were in there we played all the music they wanted to hear and the governor said right you might as well just take over which is how we started my djing now here's the funny thing um irony at its best well, I've still got a business card at home and it's got our phone number without the prefix Okay, remember about 207 yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just like yeah, four, yeah. 8, 7 yeah, numbers yeah, yeah. and the name of our mobile disco in 1985 was Ecstasy Disco was that what it was called yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was in the stars, it was written in the stars. So um, anyway, we so we started playing at all the, and the, this this group was called Pub 80s. They had various pubs around London. So they asked us to do these nights going around certain venues. So we ended up having to buy an old British Telecom comma van. Yeah. I found my first experience of high purchase. I went to Tandy and bought uh, decks of speakers amplifier on higher purchase. Quality. God, terrible. Strapped up <laughs> for years. <laughs> and um, we used to pile our gear in the car, in the van, and off we went. And we went around London for a good couple of years. Uh, and then slowly nightclubs started to become... The Norm, we used to go to a club in London called Ombres, which was just incredible on Well Street. I remember it vividly. Really good, cheap drinks every night. Oh yeah. God, terrible place to be. But anyway, <laughs> lovely. And um, on the back of that, then all, you know, um Xenons, all these uh, best disco in town, lyceum You know, Greg Edwards was tra- playing the Soul Spectrum. And Tony Blackburn was playing all the cool music. And then obviously the other radio stations, which um, Invicta, um, JFM, uh, Robbie Vincent, Froggy, Chris Hill, um, Sean French, Bob Masters, Chris Brown—all these really wonderful yeah. soul DJs. Yeah. Um, that's what you know. That was why my sort of growing up in those eras and listening to all that stuff. So were you? So were you around in the rave scene, late eighties, yeah, yeah, early nineties? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell I, me, tell me a bit about that. Were you well, one a, I mean, so look—you were saying about how it's so extended into it nightclubs, and then obviously the the whole Ibiza thing happened. This is what I met Alex. Um, Alex P. Yeah, Alex P. Yeah. So, um, and you were you were like partners with him
0: travelling everywhere right yeah
1: during the ib for years we was we was inseparable and then obviously the whole thing about and i'll get to that and i'll talk about space in a yeah. minute but so i met alex in this club uh, in ealing where i was resident and I, look i i have met these promoters who i still know to this day one of them is called park Carl pearson and he runs the yes group in london you may have heard of that mm. it's a personal development group mm. so they do a lot of uh, entrepreneurial yeah. speeches they have people yeah. t- based on tony robbins yeah um, so he was a promoter of clubs, and I, uh, at that time, I was, I, I found I was very anti-drugs, right? Okay. And um, hold on a minute. What year was this? I had a very bad experience when I was about 13 years old. And yeah. I was given a very, very, very strong joint. Yeah. And I had what was known as a whitey, yeah white out. Yeah. And I, I got turned away from an under-18s disco I so <laughs> because, I underage, <laughs> because I looked so ill. Not because I looked under uh, because I looked so ill. And so that was like, no, 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 no. But then later on, obviously, I, I, my, my search for experience, let's yeah. say, <laughs> Took me back to a place where I thought well, I'll try that, and you know, as they say, so we never look back. <laughs> but, well, we did, but from well, different places should have been. Um, so th- then, that that I drove him mad to to let him me DJ because I was obviously still a DJ, yeah. but I just immersed myself in this club scene. Yeah. You know, I like, met loads of friends, and my you know we're still all friends today. And he said, "Oh, f- you know, go and give him a go." Yeah. So I played, I, and and because I was immersed in that the whole experience yeah. he said all right you can do it yeah, yeah we'll put, book you again and then he gave me a residency at various little other things he was doing like around the locality and then obviously that's you know that's uh, that was 88 and, and then 89 and we was running our own clubs myself and Lisa Loud and Nikki Holloway and I met all that you know I managed to get and Nikki was running clubs before that, really good clubs in London called the special branch do at the zoo they yeah. were fantastic and yeah. um, but then, I mean, if you're around it, it just blossomed. It just, you know, yeah. every night people were going out. They'd sort of forgotten about every day of the week people were going every out. Going out every day of the week, yeah. and there was a night, and then all nightclubs were springing up. All nights, yeah. let's say, so were springing up every single day of the week. You could, yeah. you could stay out every night, yeah. and we, I pretty much did. did. <laughs> <laughs> For about seven <laughs> years But It was that community It was a life It wasn't it It was it, a life It that was a life. Were, Yeah I agree It wasn't a moment yeah. It wasn't a movement It was a whole life And yeah. you know it, We were consumed by it Because we loved it You yeah. know And then I don't remember What was going on Socially in the world At the time um i know there was a lot of thatcher stuff and there was lots of you know the, the governments are always you know yeah. God, come well, on, i thought i do. thought the
0: club world brought everyone together totally, early 90s totally. club uk ministry all the
1: clubs that we all went to and partied hard at or promoted <laughs> at or whatever you well i mean look, look the football terraces were often filled with um you know uh it's fighting each other yeah and, and so Hulu basically started it and Hulu and, and then uh, then when was the club scene brought everyone together that's right so everyone was hugging and that, that, that's that changed for years and yeah. it was a most incredible thing to be and part that was,
0: of uh, funny isn't it on a Saturday afternoon people be fighting each other
1: Saturday night they'll be hugging and loving each other I think there was an attitude change and at about there's better things to be doing mm. I like going out enjoying music yeah. uh, standing together and going home without you know being without having a fight yeah wasn't it? Wasn't it funny? We even
0: what Mix Mag magazine. Everyone would be planning their clubs, where they're going.
1: Mix Mag, and there was the
0: Face magazine. That's there was right, ID. Yeah. There was yeah. you know
1: DJ Mag sprung up after Mix Mag, and then my, you know Dan Prince is a very good friend of mine, and uh, Tony Prince's dad. I know the family, in fact. And, and so they, they, they and were Mix Mag though. They were old Mix Mag. DMC yeah. it was. actually, yeah. Disco Mix Club. That's and funny. Disco Mix Club used to make all the they used to do actual mix records of you know all the dance tracks that were out, and a lot of my friends. DJs who were part of DMC and used to do mixes. Steve Saunderson, uh, John Saunderson, um, Cutmaster Swift, all these people who yeah. were for DMC. They used to put these albums together, which was yeah. unheard of. They yeah. mixed albums, you know, yeah. special dance mixes of tracks, which yeah. DJs used to get. Yeah. Um, it was A great world, so was what was yours? So, talk, talk me through your world then,
0: early 90s
1: going in. Talk me so, the okay, 90s so for you. the 90s was great. I went to IB, I met Alex on this club in Ealing one night, and we had a, a bit of a session, let's say, and uh, we lost touch again. And then I heard um, myself and my mate, best mate, Baggy, God rest his soul, because he unfortunately took his own life last year. Um, which really Sorry to no, you, mate. yeah, I mean, it was. Horrendous, but anyway, we, we were traveling partners. We went to Ibiza, we knew Alex was there. He would had set up space the year before, I think it was 1990. Uh, I'd also been with Charlie Chester, who I know you know. Yeah. And Charlie took me on a reconnaissance mission to Ibiza yeah. in 1990 to set up the 1990 Ibiza um, experience, the, the, yeah. the trip that he did, yeah. which was the first one ever. Yeah. So he took Primal Scream and like, all the DJs. He took me on the first one. He didn't take me to do the DJ. <laughs> This is a, this is my anime experience all day long because yeah. we started flying records together and yeah. then he sacked me from the record shop. <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, how long were you and I both for? Did you what, When you landed, you go, oh my god, this is a bit of me. Oh, a million percent. As yeah. soon as I got off that plane, I, I, me and Baggy, we we just we was at home and and. We met Alex. He'd been bashed up by the Guardia Civil because he—oh, nick- this is the story. Well, I don't know if you'd heard about it, but he nicked a bus, a bus full of passengers. Who did? Alex. Alex. <laughs> he came out of Pasha, realised he hadn't got a lift home, and. Jumped in I just saw the bus and thought, I'm taking it home I'm to, saying- <laughs> to San, uh, San Antonio. But you can imagine that. And, and you know, I met him the next day, but you can imagine, Pete, you know, like when you see on trains, people look around and see what the station's called. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're looking like that. Yeah. There's stops <laughs> <laughs> they go straight, and it all straight. was ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Quality. So he parked it up <laughs> in San Antonio in the bus garage yeah. and just got out, but they obviously got Nick next <laughs> 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 But that's uh, one of the stories. But, yeah, so I met him with him the next day, and we he said, Will you come and play at my club and I went, yeah, of course I will. And I was, obviously was, I wasn't aware of the magnitude of space. What so club. I, just, I know. What so what I went club. there that morning, 1991. I went that morning, I took my five boxes of records. Yeah. He went, I mean, I walked in a mere bag, he went, oh, look at this. Yeah. And it was like, oh, my, now you've arrived. Yeah. So I put my records behind the decks where we used to keep them at that time. He'd already cleared it with Pepe to, he was a, I was going to come and Pepe's, Pepe's the owner. Yeah, Pepe resilient Yeah, yeah. And uh, like literally that week after me and Alex played, we played like till six in the afternoon. It was a whole proper session, and everyone loved it. And Pepe said, "Right, let's get you a social career number and give you a work permit." And he did that that very same week. Is that week. right? Yeah. So you basically started the uh, the My terrace friend, with Alex. Space. Yeah, with Alex. Wow. Well, Alex had it built, but it wasn't. It, it was bubbling. Yeah. When I arrived, we both played. You know, obviously we 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 played off each other. Yeah. It Went off, yeah, and that was it. So, we're, we we were instrumental, and the planes would come at, over the top, start, the all netting, empty, no or netting. Netting. the netting before the netting, really. The netting came on late that year for something, I think, because it's uh, something to do with the visuals, maybe the planes because they're quite low, and people they could see all the, yeah, you that's know. Right. So, um, but yeah, we were we started that terrace, and it was on that the. The, the Sundays it was originally only Sundays. Yeah, that's right. And then it became weekly, yeah. and daily. The Sundays were incredible. They were incredible, weren't and they? you know, people used to stay in Saturday nights. They'd miss Pasha on Saturday nights to go there fresh go there Sunday, fresh Sunday, or you'd
0: go around the clock. They'd go there Sunday.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah, because you could go inside at yeah. six because yeah, right. space had this um, rule. It's a Cafe Concerto license, which meant you had to shut for one hour. And Pepe didn't. Pepe did it the other way. So he did, instead of shut, he shut one hour in the morning and opened up. In, for the morning yeah so we had coffee at well i mean you was inside at yeah. six uh, banging te- right. techno and all the dark <laughs> and like little you know fairy lights and then nine o'clock ten o'clock the terrace would open he couldn't just open couldn't open before that yeah that's the hour shut yeah between outside and outside yeah, yeah. and then ten o'clock we'd open the terrace and mm. everyone would be sitting there oh, in their wicker chairs amazing. ready to go on <laughs> it, and it would be like, <laughs> good memories well i mean look to be part of that thing man it's just so that's an honour, a pleasure, the fondest memories, um, and then moving forward. Well, so what did, so you,
0: you? How many years were you, did you stay on the island for? You go, oh, this is for me when you
1: landed. Uh, I stayed for six. Would you believe? And 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 no, because because my. <laughs> my 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 behaviour stopped in ninety six. That's when I was told I was given two weeks to live, basically. Two and, weeks to live? Yeah, yeah. Why is that? Um uh, I had a very bad drug drug problem back then. Uh along with the club in which was incredible and everything else was fun, I had a really, really bad drug problem. And just tell me what your drug problem was it, cocaine, yeah, every weed, alcohol, the whole lot. No. Right? Well, I mean no 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 weed as such, but yeah. more stimulants me. Okay. 'cause I I think I was a more up person yeah. than uh, but whatever it is. I recommend if you ever have problems with that, get it sorted, go and see people, reach out, do not be on your own. It's, you know, there's lots of models and lots of things you can do to get yourself better. Anyway, we'll talk more about that mm. again. Mm. Anyway, so I had a really bad drug problem and it was making me very ill. Not only with my behaviours and risks I was taking in my own life yeah. by doing crazy things yeah. like jumping off tall buildings and jumping between buildings and yeah. all this stuff, which I was doing, yeah. climbing the front of apartment blocks and yeah. all sorts of stuff. I got very ill physically. <laughs> Um, I jumped off the ferry in Hong Kong Harbour, which you don't do anyway, <laughs> and I caught a, a, a weird, like a, a variant of the normal t- TB, and I had a half a lung removed many years ago. And it wasn't enough, that yeah. wasn't it. I'd try anything to sort Were you just pushing boundaries the whole time? Always bound. Ban- and when you, just, just to
0: break this down, when you were using cocaine, did you know how to stop? What no, would make well, you stop?
1: I, well, I, I never did. Yeah. I, 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 I realized at one point. I remember the, the, I remember the switch. Yeah. When the switch went, you now have problem with this. Yeah. I remember it, but I was so, I think, consumed with my own self-loathing that I didn't care. Okay. So I just carried on and carried on. I thought that one day this will get the better of me, and I will have, I'll just go. Did you care about life? It's only now I care about. Yeah. it. Yeah. You know, as opposed to then, which is uh, a real shame. But you know, it's the experience, and it's left me yeah. to where I am now. But yeah, it was really bad, and and, and when I got home i had a thing called cocaine bug which was uh where your your veins crawl with like spiders and and you're just itching it's, yeah. that, it's horrible anyway so and i i was then sitting in a hospital again trying to get more painkillers and other you know prescribed stuff, drugs yeah. it, but at the time there was no knowledge about it you yeah, just think well, that's that, right yeah. that used to work i want more of it doctor yeah and he'd say no mr block yeah you know, a walking time bomb i cannot prescribe any more of this stuff So i was taking my hypnose then like to go sleep yeah and four or five of them yeah not one yeah and still waking up two hours later so my mind was scrambled. Wow. It was horrible, and there was, no,
0: there was no, there was nothing, there's no information out there. Nothing, nothing was there about. Nothing. You need to speak to someone. You need to learn this, or nothing. Wow.
1: And and the, you know, there mm. was what the, uh, the uh, anonymous um, fellowship was around. Yeah. But it wasn't because it's anonymous. It wasn't out there. It yeah. Wasn't talked about. It was still taboo then. Yeah. Ninety six is thirty years ago. Yeah. Nearly. Yeah. You know that all these subjects which are now okay to talk about because we know how it affects us yeah. as humans. Um, you couldn't talk about then. It'd be looked down on back then. Wasn't well it? absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, uh, for me to, because I got interviewed in MixMag because of my addiction problem. Yeah. And I went into detox because I, I was sitting in the hospital, I just had this moment. And I think what it was for me, and I, I came to realise, I only came to realise this recently in the last few years, because I don't do work on myself a little bit. The thing for me was that I let go of the fear of living without drugs. That was the moment. My mind went, I actually don't need it. Let go of them. Yeah. And it was like let go of the addiction. I just said right, I've got a problem with cocaine. Yeah. So I stopped taking cocaine. Yeah. And that was it. And I didn't it went back. Overnight, bang. Yeah. Uh, incredible amounts. I can't even. I don't even want to say it on the air anymore because it just embarrasses me. It, I do. No,
0: no, 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 no.
1: I, I'm interested. Right, Give an example. In, in, okay, in, in amounts of money, a thousand pound.
0: A night. A night. Was wow. Very wow, dangerous. Wow, wow, and my wow. heart
1: could have given up any time. It didn't. So I have to thank my heart for for staying with me for. You know all these years i do get uh out of beat heartbeat sometimes yeah. because yeah. i think it's it's you know some it's par for the course to be honest but as i was saying so i was very fortunate to have this mass mass decision it 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 went bang it was like a clunk in my mind as i let go of the fear and the anxiety of living without drugs yeah and it was a matter of i can do this and and i went i literally left the hospital at that moment and I, I went to seek help because I had no I, th- I thought, right, I want to stop this, but I don't know how. Yeah. I have no idea. So I, I went to my dad because my dad actually, bless him, he was a bit of a boy. Yeah. And he was in the fashion industry and yeah. that was pretty rife then. Yeah. So he, and I said, look, just find me someone. I don't know where to go. I don't know who to start, even where to look. So he found me this guy. Turns out this guy's now my mentor. Great. He, yeah, he's, and, and he's they, been with you for 20 odd years. Yeah. And he's, wow. he was the one that, for, he was my, Let's say higher power. Mm. I think now what's become more apparent is that people with life experience yeah. are as a, a, as, able help, totally as able to help, totally as able to help as you know, a being qualified therapist yeah. or a counsellor. But that wasn't, you know, the association of counsellors and psychotherapists. I think if I'm not, maybe I'm incorrect, but around the seventies came into sort of action. So you think about, although it's and it's something you don't talk about trauma because mm. we would never wanted to speak out. No about one it. wants to talk about it. No. You know, and so I, I sort of. I think for me, I dealt with my trauma as I've gone through life. Yeah. And I, I've never figured out what completely it was. I don't think it was anything in particular. Um, I think, you know, my mum and dad's divorce, being the only child, um being the only Jew in the school, yeah. all this stuff, and you know, getting bullied for those reasons it's probably caused underlying trauma, yeah. which made me go hell bent on being the craziest mother I could think of. Yeah. And that's made that was my maybe that's... that was my protection. Yeah. Okay. The mask I yeah, wore yeah, was yeah. Oh, Brocco, he's, he's a mad man. he's a madman. He's a madman. Yeah. Which I think about now and it's probably quite true, or it could be. <laughs> but you know, moving forward, I, I'm very grateful to have the information that I know now, because it, no matter what comes up, you can always have a rational or something, maybe a irrational, but you can have a, a an idea. Yeah. How long how long have you been clean for? Well, I mean, I haven't taken drugs for oh, ninety
0: six cocaine. Is that right? Yeah, man. Good for you, mate. Yeah, mate. So where did so so you you were there six years? Tell me tell me some of the big clubs you played at in Ibiza. There. So, anyway, that, so really, space, that really that
1: really sprang to mind. You go, Oh, that's a good memory. Right. So space. Every memory of have at space is great. Yeah. Uh, in all honesty, there were some fantastic times and some fantastic experiences and musically i mean I remember once i was so I- immersed in the whole love and loving everyone dance for i I, did, I dished out every record i have in my record box i just threw them out and it, one by one everyone was catching records and i looked they went one more and i didn't have a record to play <laughs> <That's right. laughs> i had to ask someone to bring me one <laughs> back <laughs> wish they did and um you know but then, from then, what happened was there was no promoters on the island at that time when mm. me and Alex were playing space, right? So, all the clubs, I mean, well, actually, Tommy Mack was there. I'm sure you know Tommy. Mm. Tommy Mack with Alan were there. They were doing Mad on Mondays at Pasha. But pretty much the other, the big clubs, Amnesia, All in House, paradise, was it? it was all in house yeah. pretty much. And Alex was resident at Amnesia, I think. So, he, you know, he said to him, look, uh, so basically, Pasha said, we want you to do a night. We're doing yeah. it at island. And Tuesday, Amnesia said, me and we would like you and the to do a night yeah. here. And, and so that like, Tuesday. And then yeah. Wednesday, S yes, Paradise said, you can do a Wednesday. Yeah. And Thursday, Pasha said, uh, you know, um, Koo said, you can do a Friday, blah, blah, blah. So it was Space, Koo, Pasha, Amazing. Amnesia. Amazing. Yeah, incredible. incredible. Every incredible. night of the week, one incredible. night. But then obviously, obviously promoters arrive, the, the island gets busier, it gets more popular. And every, every night, all the big clubs are open every night. They're individually their own night. Yeah. Then obviously each promoter comes in, and, and it, it, you know for like the whole of the night is, well, it's still the same now. Yeah. But obviously apart from what's gone on with the pandemic, yeah. but every night was busy in every club, in and proper clubs, big, big old clubs. clubs man. But you know, seven eight thousand people yeah. a night, yeah, a week, yeah, every night, yeah, <laughs> incredible, it's incredible, isn't it? Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's bringing um, back good memories. This blog, though, I'm a
0: surprised. Well, you know. <laughs> I... I
1: yeah, I can't, I, can't. I can't remember. I can't remember, but I remember, look, I remember that's, that those seasons with Alex were, the, were the, the, the sort of catalyst for me being ill. Because look, you cannot work eight nights, seven nights, eight nights. I can't even get any yeah. days in a week. It felt like eight <laughs> nights a week. You can't work for like six strokes, seven nights a week, all night. And party as and well. And party all yeah. day. And be part of Mambos. Yeah. And be part of Café Del Mar. Yeah. And be part of, you know, the, the whole daytime party yeah. you've seen. And then going everywhere else with on the island where you know the mood take you and still be healthy yeah it just doesn't work nah, you know and you out. you know i've burned out there yeah. numerous times over there but you know my my zest for partying at that time was probably take me carrying me through most of the time but you know it, it got the 96 and everyone was saying go home well they're saying get off the island get off mate. the island go you, home you do yourself no favors it's incredible It's, yeah. it's, it's you know we can't and i did thank god i had the, uh, the the good foresight to go home and i got uh, you know i got yeah, stopped i stopped all the gear and, and i came back out and then literally i went back to ibiza next year because i was no don't go back you, you know yeah. i faced every demon yeah and i had no desire see i had no desire to go back yeah no obsession i've lo- lost the obsession yeah it actually gone for me so i didn't want to go back to ronks i just wanted to go back to playing music yeah. I want to go back to see my friends, which I did. I think last year was the only year where I've not been. Mm. In Same. Even Same. during going to the hospital, detox, doing three weeks in there. Because you know, of the medication Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Tell me about the Brit Awards. Right, so th- there's a few things going on here, right? Yeah. Okay, so what I found was not only did I get busier, I actually started turning up for gigs. And then, <laughs> what I realised was that I hadn't realised, but Jenny Rampling was managing me. Do you know jenny jenny's danny rampney's ex wife yeah. but jenny's yeah. a very good old friend of mine she had the best ages chatted with uh fran cutler who's uh friend they it's called selective management and yeah. i was like a, a wild card because they had every really cool and i was like the the bad boy yeah but jenny looked after me massively yeah and when people when i was ill and i mean she was there yeah she was ill Lovely. and she was there with me and, and she said to promoters i don't care he's not coming yeah he's not well she did that a lot yeah. she had yeah. to do that a lot because yeah. I'd, be, I'd get to a saturday night and be overwhelmed with whatever it was uh and say i can't go i can't go so she looked up what anxiety it. i don't know what it was just couldn't be bothered or i just it was too much i actually think it was i i, I would actually spend more money going and spending more of my wages yeah gear if i right, went to okay. a gig as opposed okay. to staying local and, so if you're uh, earn more money standing yeah. <laughs> I'd come over <laughs> more. So, anyway, look, Jenny, and I've I, I, I I've I've always thanked her for that. And she came to see me in hospital when I was really ill with mm. the the TB. You know, yeah. thank. It's all gone all those illnesses have all gone yeah. and, and you yeah, fully recovered. But, um, so she. But what happened was, I started getting gigs, and people still thank you, everyone, by the way, for still believing in me. And I got gigs, and I used to turn up. I started going to gigs and started the, the ones I'd missed out on, and and um, and then so what happened was my my um. My friends, Ricky and Fran, who were called m Ricky Morrison, Fran Stoli. m were a really cool production group at the time. They had massive hits, with Barbara Tucker and uh, various other, yeah, cool you them, know, great yeah. soulful artists. Mm. Um, so they said, we've been asked to do a remix by Danny D. And Danny D is a prolific producer mm. from our era. And he's a wonderful man. Mm. And um, they said, look, uh, we want your input on this this, uh, this 12-inch. We've been asked to remix Baby Bumps. And Baby Bumps were a band who'd, covered Disco Inferno by mm. the Tramps. So I said, I think that should go there, that should go there. And they made the mix, did the mix, and it went number 19 in the charts, yeah. national charts. And we said, right, let's make a track together. So we sampled, we, we covered the Bee Gees. Uh, you should be dancing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there was a few mixes out that time, but yeah. that, ours was taken by the Ministry of Sound, uh, which became our label. yeah. And it went number three in the charts behind Westlife and the Spice Girls. Happy days, mate. <laughs> yeah, Happy mate. Days. 99. Yeah. So this is how the Brit happened. Yeah. So basically, my mate Matthew, who you know, I grew up with, he's part of the company who produced um, uh, the Brit after party out of Sanctum with Jamie Wood, yeah. Ronnie's son. Yeah. This is the yeah, yeah. little That's bit of Okay. Yeah, it, well, yeah, it, yeah. It's not a link. It's not. It's only... It, it just happens to be like that. But Matt has always asked me, like, three or four, five years previous, I'd done the Brits every year, the after party. done the done you know, was called, cool, yeah. Right. So he's, this year, he said, look... I've, tr- I've got to try this new DJ from Capital, Ali B, who was really, really having it at the time, right? And uh, and it turns out he couldn't make it, so Matt said, "Could you do it?" And I went, "Yeah, yeah, no problem." So while that was happening, the Ministry of Sound got a call from the Brits saying, "Look, the 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 biggest dance track entry of last year's um, ch- or longest at number highest new entry yeah. is Blockstar because the Wamdu project, King of My Castle." Mm. Nasmyz and I'm the King, of my the yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. Men, they're American. Yeah, so they couldn't be the best British dance act. So he it said it's Blockster. Um, we've won. They're nominated for awards. award, and they rang me up and they said, "Well, get us a table." And he went, well, "We're not going to win." And I said, "Well, so what? Just be, get us a table. That means a tight." So Matt, who's our friend at the time, and Claire, who was our uh, A&R manager, mm. got us a table. Tony Byrne, you ever come to Tony Byrne? Tony mm. Byrne's a radio plugger, mm. very good friend of him. Tony Byrne, best uh, Liverpool lad, mm. the best guy. King of the big ups, Tony Byrne. Anyway, he was on our table. My dad, me, obviously Ricky and Fran, the two and uh, two um, two of the biggest um, first dot com millionaires are on our okay. on our table because of the ministry had invited Mark yeah. Rodell as well was on. It was it was just a wonderful, brilliant. Um, but this is year two thousand, right? This year two
0: thousand.
1: Yeah. Yep. But uh, got very drunk. Yeah. And. Um, <laughs> I was dancing. I was with Chris Moyles and Trevor Nelson. We was all out on this C. I saw at the C stand, you know, like it goes A, B, C. So we was all up on the C bits. Radio One, Kiss, me because uh, i was a kiss at the time as yeah. well so Dane, ba- Dane bowers Dane you know ba- Dane. Yeah, 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 So yeah. Dane came up we was talking and, and we were having a laugh and then he he just turned around and said oh you've won an award and he pointed to the stage and i was half cut and after the wit. so i think right i'll go and get it <laughs> and i just turned around and walked to the stage i didn't even think didn't ask i didn't think to check or anything i didn't know what award it was it was just said oh, i won an award yeah. i go and get it <laughs> And there's one, one, one walking through these tables and they going, Block, where you going? I'm going, yeah out of here, piss on my fire. And all this, I got past Norman Cook and Pete Tong, and they're going, what's he doing? <laughs> I'm going, Ugh. so I've got on the stage. If you watch the video, it's like it's like someone who's made a mistake, mate. go, she said, what's your, Davina, because I know Davina. Yeah. She went, what's your name, mate? I brand Brandon Block. And went, the whole place went. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, then Ronnie had come on and he was uh, he said Ron, Ronnie Wood Ronnie Wood come yep. on. and he was talking to Thora Birch and the award obviously it turns out it was for best film soundtrack <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nothing to do with me he said who are you sort of thing Ronnie Wood said it, didn't yeah, he yeah I think yeah, yeah, and they, I went yeah. to Mike and said oh, uh, "I'm, Block, me, yeah. i me but I said Brown and Block already I can't remember how it worked but anyway when they said and the award goes to I remember my face going oh, you know like oh I ain't won you know yeah. Think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh man <laughs> <laughs> I ain't won <laughs> and um. The, actually, Ronnie, we threw a drink at each other. You know, it was uh, it was pantomime, really. Yeah. We weren't going to hit each other. It was no, there was no malice. No, toward, there was no malice. I watched no, no, it no, no. this morning, in fact. It's not, you no, know, and, it kind-hearted. Well, it but yeah. now, you know, but it was, he was like, who it was it was this turned up? Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, he called me the C-word. <laughs> which probably, C-bomb come out, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, the C-bomb <laughs> come out. And um, I probably, you know, it's British folklore now. And the winner... Hello. And the winner is... Uh, okay.
0: Confusion. The winner is... Notting Hill! Okay.
1: Oh, it's not him. <laughs> what the hell's going on here? Um, oh, we, we have an intruder. Fantastic. I love it. What's your name, you mate? Can, here, you can have it. Well Brandon Block! Bye, mate. Bye. Oh, yeah. Hey. Get off stage. Fantastic. I don't have to move. You call me gonna be the a nicest run. guy I've ever met. Thank you very much, you old bastard. I'm wasting my drink now. Good on you, yeah, right. The winner is Nottingham. thought he was somebody important. Yeah, he is now. funny thing was, right? When I'd done that. I was meant to be DJing at the half party, right? Don't mm. forget. Because this is all happened on as well as. Yeah. and my I, I've been ushered down the side corridor, been f- thrown out by the bouncers. They're all going blocked. Because they're all from raves, the bouncers. Yeah. They've gone blocked. Come on, mate. Get you out of here quickly. So I've, I've ended up walking down this corridor. And Matt, at the end, Matthew's standing there with like his <laughs> hands on his hips, like looking at me, going, what have you what done? You done? <laughs> what have you done? I was like... Oh, oh, sorry, <laughs> mate. And he went, get out. I went. Oh, I'm going to play records. But you ain't playing nothing. You're going to get killed in there. <laughs> so it, anyway, I left, and, and you know, uh, I look back at it, and, and people still mention it like yeah, you. There's twenty, yeah. twenty-one years, twenty-one ago. years ago. Yeah. So you know, uh, is that my legacy to Brit Wars? Well, I suppose it probably is. I mean, amongst other things. But you know, uh, that was another. That was a moment. So what was your mo- What was your movements <laughs> there? Two thousand. Now, right, so here we go. Yeah. So two thousand after the brits i sort of just it took me four years of just get getting my rewiring my brain back to some sort of sanity to be honest with mm. you because i didn't realize how much damage i'd done mm. and then in 2000 i started on this this journey of learning about me i think it just came to me it wasn't like something i I needed to do I, I mean obviously i needed to do it but i don't think it was something I'm like i'm gonna do this i yeah. think i just experienced life and, yeah. and anxieties and fears and you know the usual sort of stuff that goes on and and, and slowly and slowly i'm getting to because there's all the options and the op- my options were not to like, medicate anymore yeah and it wasn't going to happen ever yeah. so i didn't choose that way so i just carried on just dealing with stuff as it comes to me and if i got anxious about it i had to look at it and think what's making me anxious and what's the reality of it? all this you know yeah. this sort of these um coping mechanisms yeah. i suppose um and thought processes mm. and in 2010 i got the urge to give back and uh, i thought my experience experiences must mean something to someone. I went to a local drug and alcohol service. Turns out the lady who's my line manager there was an old friend of mine from the club scene. Uh, she said, "Look, you can't just come here and expect to talk about your experience because it's not everyone else's experience. However, you've got you've got an experience which is valuable." So yeah. she put me straight on a training course. Training course. I'd never been uh, didn't, didn't train at school, yeah, let alone yeah, yeah. Do an NVQ in in uh, drug work, which I did a level two and I passed with credits. And um, so that was my first training course I did and then there was various others what the company put together for you Um, and um, I then went on that journey and I worked in the drug and alcohol um, field for seven years there as as a permanent project worker had some great outcomes and some really, you know, really So giving back, helping others Yeah, and I think, you know um, fundamentally this is what we all need to do Uh, it, it makes you feel good and, you know, we are social creatures I know we've been feeling separate you know, during the pandemic. And also the social, I think, you know, used the right way, it can be great, but obviously I think the way it has been, my experience, and I'm not not saying this is, it's uniquely my experience. My experience of social media is that it's separated a lot of us and given people voices uh, to say things which are unacceptable. Yeah. Okay. Um You know, words are powerful things and used the wrong way can affect people's lives, you know, and we could see that. We've seen the proof. Um, And, you know, uh, because of all the information that's available now, we know that people take their own lives. Yeah. Lots. And we know that people suffer with, uh, let's say, illnesses. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of
0: people take their lives in the last two, three
1: years. Mate, as I said earlier, my mate took his own life, my best mate, and literally I cry. Yeah. I cry every time I think about him. I was called by his... Partner at the time to come and see him New Year's Day two thousand twenty, so it wow. was a start of the year, the year yeah. And I went round then, and, and I couldn't. It was so surreal. I didn't believe it was him there. It was wasn't. You, you don't know. You so see, you just don't know.
0: <clears throat> was there people, any? Was there any? Signs no, nothing. At all? Like
1: I did, not that. Not to that extreme. But yeah. I think you know. This is why when you do suicide training, you 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 look for the things that aren't expected. Yeah. Like normal things, like people just become normal or slightly happier or. Um, because generally, it's a process they come to. It's a thought process, and if you can interject and and stop the thought process, it will. It's it's what's the word? It's putting a, a block in it, like the the you know to to an interrupt. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I look. If any if people are listening, suicide awareness training is available. I can give you a website. Who a friend of mine is in the music, he's sort of related to music. Again, he had the experience about someone. He's very close to him took their own life. And um, it's not committed, by the way, it's took their own lives. Um, and he he runs, he's now a mental health first aid trainer. We'll talk about that as well. Mm. Uh, but he also he does suicide awareness training, which I've done, and done all of that stuff. I mean, if can, you're not, can if, Can some people put an overly happy yeah, of course, happiness on, but deep down they're suffering? Absolutely, but that's the mask we wear, isn't it? I mean, you know, you go back to, if I go back to my experience of, uh let's say i was i should imagine it would be it would have been a bit of a depressive illness at the time um but i wasn't aware of it because i was masking it all so yeah you fundamentally i've had this conversation mate. look I, 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 okay so th- this is all my experience by yeah. the way everyone not yeah. nothing i'm not saying this is correct or it's it's the right thing or but from what i've learnt myself we you know, like, so for instance, we, we generally get up in the morning, if we're not training first thing or doing something, we're picking our phones up, yeah. which I try not to do. Well, I haven't done it, I did it, did it for a long time. I've noticed slipping back into that habit, but I don't have social media on my phone anymore. Yeah. I don't look That's at it. It's a good shout. Yeah. And I haven't had it since lockdown, yeah. first one. So I, and, and you know what, I haven't really missed it. Yeah. And I said, look, I can check in on Facebook, I can check in on Instagram, whatever, yeah. on the computer, but it's for half an hour. Yeah. If I need to. Because you're making a point of going to check-in. Exactly. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm yeah. going to check-in, see what's, you know, if I need messages and say hello and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm not consuming stuff with it. How good was that for your mind? Cause the reason why I asked that, because I took
0: myself off social media for a whole 12 months. Well, it's, it was, it's been 18
1: months now, hasn't it? I mean, it? how
0: good was it? Oh, my how, God, it's how amazing. How you feel? How amazing. You feel? I didn't know anything was going on. No. I didn't care. But you see. <laughs> my tight mates are on my WhatsApp, and that's all I need. And that's all I need. All exactly. I need, and my
1: family. <laughs> Because you live in, and I know people talk about this, and they know it. They know it, but I'm going to say it again because I I realise this myself. We live in a world of comparisons, yeah, and expectations, which yeah. are unreal. Yeah. Because I was to Dan earlier about there's a great keyword buzzword, authentic self, right? We don't live because if you pick your phone up first thing, you're comparing yourself, saying, oh. Oh right! I've got to do that, or I've got to. But yeah. uh, a reply to that. I've Got to do a post here. Got to do. Or, or I've got to look like that. I've got. To, well, they're on holiday. Why am I not
0: on holiday? Yeah, all or, that. Yeah, 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 Why haven't I got that? Yeah.
1: All this stuff that you you, you you read doesn't really affect you, but yeah. because you see it,
0: well, it, it plays a little. It, it's it's compared, you compare. You don't. Yeah. Think it's, it all
1: boils down to well, I'm not good enough. Yeah. Why haven't I got that? Yeah. Because I'm not good enough. Yeah. What is success? I mean, look. Happiness. Happiness. That's great. You say that. Mm. For me, we 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 often. Start the world or start the day looking at other people's worlds mm. so you're then- you're then striving to live to the expectations of what you see as opposed to what you're you what you actually are yeah. if you if you're if you can just say i'm good myself and whatever I do today is an achievement i e like Great. the goals I set to do so if I get up, make my bed, brush my teeth, get the clothes on you know go to go to Lidl's, which is my local store now which I do every day <laughs> and go to you know do this and I love it go to and you say at the end of the day I've done all that yeah. I did that today that's a good thing for yeah. me because you know um, if you go if you live in the expectations of the world and how fast it was moving before yeah. the pandemic yeah. even then I, I was fast. people it's going too fast too fast no way we could keep up our brains weren't yeah. come even the fastest computers we can only make them as quick as we can yeah. they you know we can't make them that quick do you not think it's nicer to compare yourself to yourself from the previous day absolutely if I, I think do, that if I happiness. do, what well, if I do better? If I do what I didn't do yesterday and get it finished today, I've achieved my goal. Yeah. So, like, so for instance, if you set your, let's say you set, uh, let's say you do a list or you do your list. You live by your list. I live by lists. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm good with lists because I can't and, keep pen, pen and paper. Pen and, no, I, mean, I, I, more, I, I do use it like this, yeah. but I occasionally I do occasionally write it down. Yeah. But I, I won't carry a book. I I use it now because I, I'm used to it. Yeah. And I, I do follow my list. Yeah. And then I tick it off. Yeah. So it's far for me, that works. And it, it, the uh, the NLP thing about, you know, um, writing things down, throwing it away, getting it. All it is, is taking it out of your head. Mm. Don't matter how you do it. If you write it, it's an action. Yeah. It's an action. As opposed to typing it. Yeah. But If you type it, even though I type it in here, I know it's out of my head. I've got yeah. it written down, I don't have to remember it. Yeah. And it, uh, if you go back to the secret and it says like, you have 60,000 falls a day. You have a, a, a. Is that what they say? Sixty thousand. Yeah. Can you Jesus imagine? Can you imagine Christ. trying to work them out? No. Right. So you have a system in your head, which is called the vaculus. So it's your senses and what it picks out. So, for instance, if I'm looking at the green screen, I know that I don't have to be fearful of it. Yeah. It's not going to attack me. Well, yeah. hopefully not. Someone's yeah. around behind it. But the camera's are all right. Yeah. The lights are right. The screens are right. You're all right. Yeah. Dan's all right. We're all right. Yeah. So I, all the stuff I've learned over my past, I know that I'm. It's all about fear, about mm. protecting ourselves, survival. Mm. So I know that this room is pretty much everything that's some relaxed ish. Mm. Mm. But then if I go back in the car, there's things that could happen around you. I've got to go into yeah. a fair say. Say a, I'm good at driving. I'm, I'd say I'm good at. I can drive because yeah. it's, it's pre-programmed now. Yeah. I don't have to worry about changing gears yeah, or yeah, yeah. indicating or yeah. blah blah. But I have to be aware. Yeah, so there's a level of stress. Mm. So if you imagine the level of stress all day long mm. in everything we do, everything we do. Uh, being experiential human beings which is we want to experience things mm. we want to think this is why we you know we go to drugs drink whatever yeah. uh, chocolate you know yeah. gambling whatever it is yeah. it's an experience it changes it gives us a buzz mm. changes the way you feel and i've come to this conclusion this is me only i'm saying this again people i think that we are we are functioning look here's the thing for you you say happy right mm. if if we were inherently, we, happiness is inside us. We mm. can become happy and say, I'm happy and smile. And you, you, you the muscles will change yeah. how you feel. And if you then don't look at social media, chances are you're not gonna get, you know, or don't read the news or watch mm. something depression on telly. Mm. Chances are you'll be happy for a period of time, right? Mm. If you then, if you can imagine this, if we were happy all day, every day, mm. and can you imagine a salesman or a marketing person? We'd have a nightmare. Yeah like adverts on facebook you know what thanks for the offer but i'm happy no, i don't need it yeah. do you want a new jag do you know what i'm really happy with my what i've got yeah. it's a very nice offer yeah. but i'm happy so yeah. i don't need it and they go what's going on here then the world everyone's happy and yeah. yeah. they go i don't need anything because yeah. what and i'm sure you did people what i realized in lockdown is what i actually needed to live yeah was about 10 percent of what i actually had yeah and i God. I don't even, I don't wear after did you? Did you enjoy lockdown? Look, I was concerned for my family, my mum who was shielding lots and my auntie. And, I, you know, it's a very scary time when, mm. you you know, you've got to be mindful of what, how this stuff was transmitted and what was going but on. But for you, did you enjoy the slowdown? I I, I needed it. Yeah. I didn't realise until it happened, but I was getting caught up in the world too fast yeah. and, driving my, and, and comparing myself yeah. and not resting enough. Yeah. Because I think we all do that, yeah. which is why we we could all be heading for a burnout of a sort, yeah. and we all are. Regardless, unless you are mindful of that and take time out and say to them, right, you know, and thankfully a lot of people now, men's groups, a lot of people now are, are meditating, a lot of people are taking time out, doing the first fifteen minutes of the day is your own. Yeah. Before you get into the the normal routine, if you take those fifteen minutes and ground yourself and say, look, you know, if I can stay in the present moment for now, yeah. And if I could bring myself back to the present moment, because what... It's all about the present. Of course it is. Because There's nothing you can do in the past. The past is, is a lot of fu- guilt, the fu- and the future is fear. The, well, the future is fear, <laughs> and the future is unknown. It's unknown. We live in the unknown. Yeah. So if we can live in the present now, then it makes you a lot happier. Absolutely. We yeah. don't like uncertainty. Yeah. So we, is it we, Because we're programmed to not like uncertainty. Mm. Whereas if we weren't told... Oh, that's dangerous. Mm. If no one had said that's dangerous, I mean, look, I get it. If it was a spider, it was a funnel web spider sitting yeah. on your edge. You don't yeah. <laughs> want to bite you, but you know, generally, you don't live in funnel web yeah. spiders. But yeah. you know, if we weren't told, be careful of that, watch that, be careful of that, it mm. creates that whole environment. Do
0: you know? Do you know? For me, in this lockdown, I haven't listened to the news or watched the news for fifteen months.
1: I have occasionally. I haven't. Not, I haven't. Once, not no. once. No. I think I had There's two. two food.
0: times I've watched it. Yeah. And that's when Boris has to speak about what's going on. And about the festival world yeah and that's the only two yeah. times i watch watched it 15. i have got no clue what's going on out there i don't want to know i just did in my lane and how's that affected you it's lovely yeah. it's calm it's lovely because i've got enough stuff juggling around with family and and a great team and a, building a culture here for the festival and for the uh the podcast and everything we're doing the event crowd course we're doing the online events course and i'm just in my
1: in my yeah. lane Yeah, yeah and I get it, just, it. It just
0: calms everything down. I get it. It's mm. it,
1: that's. I found that as well. I mean, mm. look, I think the same as you. I had to. I had to be aware of some of it. You can't. You can't live with blinkers on completely. I think you know. You need a bit of information, but not too much. Not too much. Yeah. And, you know, I I still haven't gone back to watching the news. I think yeah. I start watching the news and, and, and everything on the news is not good. It's Nick. What's the point? And I just think I don't want to watch this yeah. anymore. I don't look. I'm I, I can have empathy but I just Mm. don't need to watch it because it doesn't affect me so just so just moving on here so so tell me about your experience as Celebrity Big Brother right so briefly I did I I, I digress a little bit so I didn't tell you about how I got into this world of let's say you would call it I'd say we call it well-being right so um I was in the drug uh, field, and I went to work in another uh, for the NHS. In fact, for South, South London and Morsley Slam, uh, who had a project which was uh, dealing with people with complex needs. So I was uh, doing outreach, going out to people's houses with uh, who had um, criminality, uh, substance abuse issues, homelessness, mental health issues, um, and uh, basically I got really immersed in that job, as you do when you work with people. And I was uh, uh, unfortunately I got burnout because uh, uh, they weren't supporting us very well. Anyway, so to, uh, in uh, while I'm in burnout, I get asked to do Celebrity Big Brother. And I'd been asked many times before, back in the days of Celebrity, get me out of here. And uh, I sort of said, well, look, they, they'd they often said, you got to the last mix and then let me down. Like... So it was about four times I've been for the interviews and got to the final four or whatever it was. So I said, look, if you can get it, then I'll do it. If not, then I'm obviously not, you know. Yeah. So I was offered the job and I was, I was sort of in burnout still. Um, and it got to the time when I was going to sign the contract, and uh, literally, I'd, I, I was still doing the job, and I was really struggling with my, you know, my emotions. Yeah. I was burnt out, man. Yeah. Anyway, so I did. I decided I was going to go in this house, and but I, I actually, I actually didn't know who I was. I didn't know what. You know, I've been working with people with confidentiality boundaries, and you know, um, issues, real life issues, and you know, it's been very emotional. And then I go in this house, and I. I they were saying, Get Brandon the Madman out. And I'm going, He's not even here anymore. Yeah. He's someone who, who used to be here. So I, I, then I'm thinking, Expectations, yeah. what do they expect from me? Who am I meant to be? And I'm thinking, Do I want to be on telly again? And, you know, is that what I want from my life? And because I'm confused about all that stuff. Um, and along with the burnout and the anxiety I was feeling from the job, I was still struggling and so you weren't in a good place when you arrived no nah, god it was a terrible place so why did you do it i don't know i've really how asked how
0: much did you get for doing it
1: oh i lost because i you know as i walked out oh so you don't get a pound note for... you get pro rata but not what i'd agreed ah, right, i think yeah no one near that so
0: you how long were you in there
1: before you walked out um uh, 12 or 13 days wow yeah and who why did you walk out because I, I was struggling. I wasn't me. I was back. The, the, the so psychologist, who's a friend, yeah. uh, was actually a big old raver back in the day. And, yeah. you know, he's, oh, blog, who's on, that sort of thing. He's watched, me. he was obviously, they watched you 24 hours. And he was saying, he said, look, and I saw him every day for half an hour. He said, look, I, I thought you'd be out of this in three days. Yeah. I thought you'd relax, and you haven't. And I said, I don't want you to put yourself through therapy on telly. Wow. So I'm allowing you, you want to you can walk out the back door if you want, if if you're not feeling great. And it was like, in hindsight, he also said that if you want to contact anyone, which you're not allowed to do really, yeah. but you're struggling. And I sh- I could have called one of my mates who's monitoring all the, because I was in the lead and the, in the polls or whatever. And yeah. he would have said, don't you dare get out of yeah, there, yeah. Just stay there and yeah. sit through it. Deal with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I didn't. And I and I decided it was better for me to leave. But then what that did was, it, it spurred me onto this journey. Brilliant. Which you're on, looking at myself i had needed to do it because i'd lost myself yeah uh, in the job mm. and over the last 10 years i lost myself because i wasn't i wasn't helping myself yeah. i was only helping other people yeah. and i i don't mean that like i'm a you know i'm a uh, sire or anything yeah. i just saying, because i wasn't helping myself and giving myself what i needed I who, was struggling. who was in the show when you were there right callum was in who's a mate of mine callum best callum best yep. jamie o'hara yeah um ex-footballer, ex-footballer. Yep. he's actually uh he's he does podcast now doesn't he he's a pundit as well on yes, talk sport right. um colleen nolan jedwood bianca yes. bianca oh, okay. gascoigne paul's oh, okay. daughter who i knew anyway yep. Um, who else? Um, couple of Americans who I can't remember. So the deal, the deal was that they give you X amount up front. If you stay to the end... No, you don't give anything up front. They give you, a, they give you a sum, some money. Okay. Um, but it wasn't anything that I'd agreed. Uh, I don't want to talk about that. But, you know, it, it, in hindsight, would have done anything different. I think I wouldn't have been here now. I'd have been in a different place. It wasn't necessarily that's that journey necessarily. That, uh, maybe like... I don't know. I don't know. I don't think about it. But What was it like
0: when you left? Did the prep did the press not really not really went quiet yeah okay. no, because it,
1: I wasn't, it wasn't it wasn't a big controversial okay it wasn't controversial yeah, I just okay. nipped out the back door See you later. went straight to the kebab shop yeah <laughs> <I went away. laughs> the funny thing was right it was in l street and yeah. i live in not far from yeah, there so i yeah. literally passed my favorite kebab shop i rang my mate who met me at the pub because i wanted i just needed to go and just chill out somewhere i said i don't want to go home the normality, yeah. Just normality. Yeah, yeah. and um i went and met him in the pub uh at a shandy and, and I was standing in the pub and literally people were looking. So, I was on the, he doing it. He, <laughs> <telling? laughs> <laughs> I was on there 20 minutes ago. they <laughs> standing there, people were just turning around outside their eyes going, <laughs> look at each other going, hey, what's...? <laughs> and um And yeah, so, uh, but then I went to a Tony Robbins event on the back of that. Uh, someone suggested I went along, which I thought, you know, uh, you know I get... The whole experience was fantastic mm. and i thought i realized i can help myself mm. by doing certain things and i went on that journey i became a member of the yes group I did a, i did a public speak the first one about my story like yeah. you know, like you doing the podcast yeah. uh it helped a lot of people said wow we blah 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 and yeah. i thought oh god i could share brilliant this this platform is now open so your experience to help others yeah. yeah and that's what you realize i think what everyone needs to know is that everyone has a story everyone in the world yeah Everyone who's existed has, has a story. And each story, they said is a book. Everyone has a book in them. I've written my book. Um, it, it was a club, very ordinary down club book. And What's I it might, called? It's called The Life and Lines of Brandon Block. Is that right? Is yeah. It? yeah.
0: Cool. Where can people get that?
1: Uh, it's on Amazon. It? Um, I think you can buy a hard copy, but um, it's on Kindle. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the nuggets of information, like you say, there's one thing you read the other day and you went, wow, how profound, these yeah. nuggets of information. But someone's experience, and you know, they... They could tell you, yeah. share an experience, and you could change your life. Agreed. and that's what it's about, isn't it? It's about the humanity changing, you know, our fundamental lives if they're not working well. Being able to find something or listen to someone and say, "Oh, wow, that really helped me." Mm. Thank you for that bit, mm. bit of nugget information. It's really done me the world of good. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, share, 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 and. So that was my, and then since then I, I started the charity, you know, become, you know, doing the, the, the life coaching, yeah. the, uh, done the sitting guilt in, in health and social care. Mm. Um, so yeah, that on the back of that experience in Big yeah. Brother, I've come out doing this. So think, probably mate. chances I wouldn't be if I have carried on. Yeah, those, those little moments in that. life. Yeah, mate. You know, if you stay in there for a week, maybe other one, maybe they come out and been a uh, Love Island, <laughs> <laughs> drop out again, and <laughs> yeah. your budgie smugglers, in budgie smugglers. But you know what? I've met yeah. the most beautiful woman, my Wendy, yeah. who's now working in Bournemouth at the yeah. Hairy Cactus Parlor, yeah. which is a fantastic vegan um, hairdresser, eco-friendly, organic. It's beautiful, wow. and she's loving that, and she's wonderful, and I love her to bits. And she's Lovely. with me now. She's been through we've been lockdown together.
0: You've been an absolute pleasure to have on, Thank and you I you love how you've yeah. completely opened up. I found this really therapeutic and i appreciate your uh, your time pleasure man. mate pleasure. It, mate lovely to have you on the show you're an absolute Brilliant. legend Gosh. thank all all you all mate